You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Ravens with a Locked On Browns twist. I am Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, hanging with you here. And today we have a very special guest, Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. How are you doing today, Jeff? Uh, couldn't be better. Uh, obviously, you know, American Pie, I think of Ostreicher. Uh, as we get through here, another crossover Wednesdays. And look, even for an early one here, um, this, this could be pretty big, uh, you know, as far as, you know, Whoever walks out of this with the W, uh, Browns desperately need it. Ravens get it. They got a two-game lead in the division at the quarter mark. It's going to be an interesting one Sunday. I mean, if the Ravens come out of this game with a win, you're looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals playing each other. The Ravens will be 3-1. and one. Everybody else will be sitting at 1-3, and three, which, you know, me, I expected the Ravens to have a lead in the division, but not like this, you know. I was buying into the Browns hype, and so far it hasn't come to fruition just yet. But looking at this Ravens offense, I mean, Jeff, the Ravens fans see it. I see it. Lamar Jackson, we believe he's the real deal. But from a Browns fan, from that perspective, what have you seen out of Lamar Jackson? I, I've been impressed to this point. And this is one thing that I kind of emphasized. You know, we had obviously spoken ad nauseum about them last year. My thing was is they couldn't come back and run that same offense they ran for the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, their intention maybe was that Lamar Jackson was going to see very few amount of snaps. Um, it just got to the point where, you know, they had run their course with Joe Flacco. And they did with Lamar at least what they thought he was going to be comfortable with. But you need to evaluate whether or not he was a full quarterback. What was going to happen when people start dropping eight and nine in coverage? You had to let this kid show that he can throw the football. I had faith in it. It was there at Louisville. He didn't win a Heisman because he ran for 2,000 yards. He won a Heisman because he threw for 4,000 yards. I think they made a great, great draft pick of Marquise Brown. Because, look, if you're going to run a lot of tight end heavy sets, what are you going to do? You're going to cover it high and low. Linebackers underneath. You're going to go safeties over the top. But what happens when you add a guy like Marquise Brown who you have to command with a safety because he is one of the fastest players in the NFL. I thought that was a great draft pick for them. Obviously, it's paying dividends. It's opening up the field for Lamar. And I think he's played very well. Obviously, last week, not outstanding. Look, I mean, he's not all the way there yet. Just like Baker's regressed, Lamar has progressed. But, you know, I, I, I think they're starting to see that there's a way you can work everything in where you can say Lamar Jackson isn't just a running threat as a quarterback. He's a quarterback. With Lamar, he just needs to get these game reps. He's only started 11 total games. I keep coming back to that stat because, you know, I think people place unfair criticism on his passing just because, you know, he's not known for it. He is an extreme athlete, and the moves that he can put on people are just electrifying. But what people don't understand and what people seem to forget sometimes is that his arm is also electric. He has the arm strength, and he's getting the accuracy. He's moved away from that sidearm throwing motion, which would get a lot of balls batted down at the line. He's coming more over the top with his throws, and he's just getting better by the day, and Ravens fans are very excited to see him improve as a passer. But let's go back to the running game, Jeff, because the Ravens, they love to run the ball. They're, while the league is going to air raid, the Ravens are just pounding the ball on the ground. Their big free agent signing was Mark Ingram, and with the Browns' defense with Miles Garrett, Larry Ogenubi, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson. How do you expect the Browns to game plan for this Ravens run attack? The, the running game really hasn't been an issue to this point um, for them to stop. And Larry Ogunjobi is one of the more underrated players in the game. Um, 
can make plays, can also engulf blocking. Sheldon Richardson, you know, has, you know, enough size where he plays well in the interior. He can make plays. He's played, you know, hand in the dirt DN. He's played some stand-up edge rusher. It's not been an issue. The running game really isn't. I mean, you know, Todd Gurley, whatever he is right now, as far as the percentage of the Todd Gurley, you know, that the NFL kind of fell in love with, they shut him down. They shut down that Rams running game. They're able to do enough now where Joe Schobert, who is a really, really good middle linebacker, is able to just flow, find the ball. You know, Mac Wilson, a rookie, this is going to be a big one here because, you know, obviously the you know, Ravens love their running game. I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, they seem to this point where they're able to handle the running game. Um, obviously, the secondary, you know, you went from, you know, some question marks against Tennessee when they got tired and they got a little aggravated that it wasn't going their way. Then they started to feel their oats against the Jets. And then against the Rams, they literally started a backup secondary. And I'm not talking about one guy, two guys, three guys, four. Everybody was a backup to the point where Justin Burris was signed on Friday, got to Cleveland, you know, late Saturday night because he had been with them all summer long. He knew the playbook, started and took every snap in that game against the Rams. And they still played extremely well. It's so weird that I'm at this point where the Browns defense has been fantastic. And I thought if I'd be saying the Browns defense has been fantastic to this point, we'd be talking about a 3-0 and team. Obviously, we'll get to that here a little bit later. But the fact that they've been this good and they're only 1-2, it's, it's definitely crazy because we thought there would be some question marks about how this defense, how fast it was going to gel, how fast it was going to come together. They're going to be ready to go. But granted, this is going to be, you know, They've had some issues. Jared Goff ran on him a little bit. Marcus Mariota ran a little bit on him. But it's going to be a whole different animal with number eight because uh, obviously, you know, he's not, he's just not going to run on you. If he's going to run on you, he's going to gash you. I mean, with Lamar, you just have to be ready for anything. I mean, he can literally do almost anything. And with his passing coming around, I think he can be really one of the great dual threat quarterbacks in history if he keeps this trend up. The inside linebackers and the safeties are mostly tasked with in coverage, covering the tight ends. And the Ravens have three very good ones, Nick Boyle, Mark Andrews, and Hayden Hurst. And Jeff, I want to ask you, because the Ravens have a plethora of pass catchers who can do a lot of different things, both with the running backs, the receivers, and the tight ends. If the Ravens are looking at this Browns roster and a roster of this defense, who are their best coverage players in the linebacker group? Joe Schobert is... there's just not enough superlatives you can give the guy. He was probably due a contract extension probably a year ago based on his play. Uh, Went to the Pro Bowl after the 17th season. Would have went to the Pro Bowl after the 18th season if not for, you know, missing three and a half games due to a hamstring injury. Still had over 100 total tackles. The coverage is the best part of his game, which is why he probably deserves to be paid like he is. I mean, this is what you need linebackers to do in 2019. If they can play the run, but they're even better in pass coverage, those are the guys you need at the linebacker position. Joe is he's just everything and then some. And, you know, cause an interception, uh, you know, against the Rams. He's great on the underneath coverage. He's great. And now I almost joke, I call him like this, you know, I call him the crossing guard at times because he <laughs> is great at taking the guy he's covering underneath and making sure he's like actually successfully passed him off to a defender behind him to the next part of the zone. He's exceptional with that. And this is kind of what you're going to have to do with these tight ends. You know, you want to play them high-low because, look, they all got size. 
you know, Marquise Brown, that's that's going to be the interesting one, especially with Greedy Williams was out last week, especially with Denzel Ward was out last week as well. I don't know if either one of those guys technically can man up one-on-one uh, with Hollywood Brown, but you might want to get in a scenario where they have three corners with size in TJ Carey, Terrence Mitchell, and Greedy Williams. It might be one to be more of one where you just want to beat the living daylights out of him off the line, praying he doesn't get enough momentum going to score too deep. Definitely, and that really plays into my next question. The last one I want to ask you before we get to break, which is, if you were looking at a Ravens roster and you had to pick one of these pass catchers that you were most concerned about the Browns covering, you mentioned Hollywood Brown a lot. Which one would you choose? My fear is Mark Andrews. Um, I just, he's a really, really sound tight end. Um, the other thing is he's going to have a little bit more, you know, want to with Baker Mayfield on the other side, on the sideline, obviously his college teammate. Um, he's the one that concerns me because, you know, it's just it's a tough matchup. We we still don't know if we're going to have Demarius Randall. And I think the thing is, if you know, Lamar is still working into this with talented wide receivers around him. Granted, they're young, but he's still you know working his way into this. You know what he was comfortable with is that he had a bunch of good tight ends at his disposal, which he didn't have at Louisville. So if you can take the tight ends away and you, you, you're going to make Lamar have to make complete these 15 to 20 yard passes you know, with wide receivers, you know, that's still the new part of the NFL Lamar Jackson. And I think that's going to be the best thing to do is take away the easy stuff, the familiar stuff with him and, and keep him to the having to complete the big down the field throws. Speaking of Andrews, he is nursing a foot injury, wasn't at full strength in that game against Kansas City, so hopefully he will be all right and can provide Lamar with another security blanket. If he needs a week off, Kevin, we'll be okay. Look, if he needs a week off, we're more than accommodating. It's okay. He can take the week off. I I appreciate your hospitality, Jeff. I really do. But when we come back, (laughs) when we come back, we are going to flip the script. We're going to be talking about the Browns offense versus this Ravens defense. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Also, let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem, and we highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is a really unique app and it works on your phone your tablet or your web browser blinkist takes the best key takeaways that need to know information from thousands of notification books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes you can read and listen to with blinkist you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books all the books you want and all for one low price Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash LockedOn, try it for free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash LockedOn to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash LockedOn. Welcome back, everybody, to Locked On Ravens with that Locked On Browns twist. Jeff Lloyd still hanging with me here. And Jeff, I really just want to start off with that first overall pick in 2018. Baker Mayfield hasn't had the start that many Browns fans want to see. The Browns currently holding that one and two record. What's been the problem with Baker this year? 
it's it's layered. Um, I think right now you're having a problem with Todd Munkin being the offensive coordinator and Freddie Kitchens being the head coach. And I don't want to say it's a problem. I just think it's two guys meshing their personal beliefs and also meshing in what is best for Baker Mayfield. Um, first couple of weeks, the plays were coming in way, way too slow. And I'm sure you guys see this with Lamar. The quarterbacks nowadays, you know, and especially these younger ones, they are used to such a rapid pace, running 70 plays in a college game. This, you know, watching the play clock tick down and they got to get to the huddle, get all their verbiage out, get to the line, establish who the mic is, establish, you know, okay, we got a shift pass protection here. Um, this receiver's got to move. Who's going in motion? That's it's becoming a problem and they're getting the line too late. So they're not really calling a lot of motion. This is what they did last year to, you know, obviously you know, expose the coverage. Um, if there's no motion, you know, whatever way the defense lines up, they can stay lined up that way. So it's kind of hard to establish exactly what coverage the team is running Um, Baker. Look, he's got some guilt here, too. One of the things that made him so, so successful over that you know, second half of last season which led to the touchdown passing record for rookies. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter if you were the number one wide receiver or the number six wide receiver, number one tight end, number three tight end. If you were open, he threw you the ball. And I don't want to say, you know, it, it's, you know, he's too focused on Odell. I think because there's Odell out there now. And I think because there's Jarvis Landry out there, he falls into a habit sometimes of falling in love with the big play, the chunk play. So that, you know, look, it's, you know, like, like telling a baseball player, it's okay to hit a single. You're not going to hit a two-run double, a three-run home run every at-bat. The other thing is what made Baker good last year was Baker would step up in the pocket. He would challenge the line of scrimmage. And if it was there, he'd throw it. If it wasn't, he'd take a two-, three-yard run. And again, that's there's your single. It's something. It's something positive. He's right now jettisoning out left or right. And that's not in your best advantage because when you are running right now in the scheme that Munkin comes in with and kind of what Freddie is, it calls for a lot of deep developing pass routes. So, but if you're jetting the pocket to the left or you're jetting the pocket to the right, it's kind of hard to do the scramble drill because these guys are 20 yards downfield. And as, as they start to come back closer to the quarterback, it's just as easy for the coverage to do that too. So uh, some of this is on Baker, but there's a, I don't want to say disconnect like it's a problem. It's just trying to mesh Todd Munkin's theories, Freddie Kitchen's theories, and what is best for Baker Mayfield. It's going to come. There's too much talent here on this offense right now for it not to come together. But it's just, it's like trying to put together a recipe and you're just not reading it right. And it's just not tasting like it should. In any stretch of the imagination, you can't see a full 16-game season where this Browns offense doesn't put us together. You're right, there's just too much talent. And that's what scares me about this Browns team because John Dorsey did a phenomenal job of putting this team together. And with the talent that he accumulated both on offense and defense, you know, there is something to be said about this Browns team who I think will be competitive not only this year but within the near future and far future as well. But sticking with Mayfield and looking at his stats – you have a guy who is a one and two record this year at the quarterback position, has three touchdowns compared to five interceptions. And looking back last year, Mayfield threw 14 interceptions and 486 pass attempts. That's a 2.9% interception percentage. Meanwhile, this year, in just 109 pass attempts, he has those five interceptions. That's a 4.6 interception percentage. 
So when you look at this Ravens secondary, which is pre- pretty banged up at the moment, Jimmy Smith is out with an injury. Tavon Young, their best slot cornerback, is on injured reserve. They still have guys in that secondary like Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, Earl Thomas, Tony Jefferson. Are you concerned with the Ravens secondary and if they'll be able to stop Baker Mayfield? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and that's even the thing. I mean, you talk about a couple of guys being out. I mean, you know, Marlon Humphrey's established himself. When I'm done with this, I want you to you know tell me a little bit how Earl's been. But Earl is the ultimate professional he's the ultimate deeker he can make you think he's doing this and talk you into a throw you can make and then earl's there to make the play uh you know this is you know this has kind of been my underlying question with you know everything is well how does said defense take odell beckham jr away um and that'll you know see we'll see how it goes here you know obviously marlon humphrey's going to get a lot of this opportunity um, and we'll see how that plays out. But they're a good secondary. I'm not denying that. But also part of this, though, is Baker. Um, last year, the Houston Texans game threw three interceptions. Obviously, you know, uh, the Ravens fan in you. Week 17, threw three interceptions. So, you know, he gets hot and cold. We had Joel Batonio, the left guard, on, a, on an episode with us in May. And we were asking him about Baker. And he said the th- difference is bad quarterbacks – it goes bad for a while. And he's like, it's not a game. It could be two, three games. He said, you know, the Houston Texans game, for example, he threw three first half interceptions, got himself right at halftime, ended up throwing for 400 and change. He said, the thing with Baker is he has the ability to erase everything and he'll get himself on the right track, you know, quickly. It's, it's not a thing where it's going to be a bad month. He said it's the thing where it's maybe a bad hour and a half to two hours. And so you know, that's going to be the thing. And look, you know, Baker asks for all this to be put on him. Put everything on me. And he's literally said these words. So this should be the one where, you know, look, you they need this game. It's on the road. He's already had a bad game in Baltimore. Let's see where these chips fall. Yeah, and you mentioned Earl Thomas. Earl is a guy who... Has not stuffed the stat sheet so far. Only seven total tackles this year to go along with one interception that he actually got in his second drive in a Ravens uniform against Miami. But what Earl Thomas and the trend that we have seen with Earl Thomas is that quarterbacks aren't targeting him that much. He was uh, one of the culprits on a play, it seems like, where Miko Hardman got behind the Ravens defense for an 83-yard touchdown where he kind of bit on a Sammy Watkins comeback route over the middle of the field. And the cornerback sat down on a route to the outside. But what the Ravens have seen with Earl is that he's not going to be a guy who stuffs the stat sheet. It's a different defense than Seattle. And Earl acknowledged that the Ravens' defense is a lot more complicated and has a lot more schemes and a lot more different looks than the Seahawks did. The Seahawks' defense, he said, was very simple, easy to learn, and easy to kind of get into the groove with, whereas... With the Ravens defense, what Browns fans should know is that the Ravens will put nine guys at the line and only bring three. Or they'll put three guys in the trenches and then bring guys from every corner. So the Baker's going to see, and I'm sure as you know, Browns fans and you, Jeff, saw in the Week 17 game last year and also just before that, you know, Wink Martindale is not afraid to bring pressure. Where the Ravens have struggled this year is with their pass rush from the interior. They haven't gotten a lot of pressure there. Matthew Judon from the outside, Pernemic few from the outside have been very great. But what you're seeing is when the quarterback doesn't go down within a few seconds, it's just too much time and the secondary just can't hold. And that's true with any NFL team. But with Earl Thomas, he's a quiet veteran guy. And like you said, the utmost and ultimate professional. And he brings a leadership that 
was here with Eric Weddle and here with CJ Mosley, but it's just different. And I think Earl's still getting acclimated, but he hasn't seen a lot of targets. And so I think that if you're not seeing a lot of targets, you're doing your job. So I've personally have been pretty pleased with Earl. I'd like to see him, you know, get up and get a few more tackles. But overall, I'm not as disappointed as a few Ravens fans have been with him. But getting back into this Browns offense, I mean, Nick Chubb bursting onto the scene last year and really taking over that running back crew and, you know, saying to the Browns, look, I can I can be this guy. I can handle it. You can trade away Duke Johnson to the Texans. I'll be that guy. But I want to ask you about a player who might have maybe even slipped your mind, Jeff, here in Kareem Hunt. I want to get into Nick Chubb and what you think he can do against this Ravens front. But we're going to see each other again. We're in the same division. Obviously, we're going to see each other week 16. What do you think this running back rotation is going to look like once Kareem Hunt comes back? Well, what we saw week three, and they kind of said they were trending towards this, where it was going to be Nick Chubb as our running back until Nick Chubb says, I need a blow, take me off the field. So this is, I mean, he's playing every down that he can handle. Um, you know, they have other backs in Dontrell Hilliard, much better receiver than he is the actual pure rusher. Uh, the Ernest Johnson, he's kind of... The if you need another running back, you can use him type of guy. Nick's been fantastic at this point. I mean, he's he's grown as a player the whole Hugh era in the beginning of 18. While he's not a good enough pass blocker, and once he started playing, his pass blocking was off the charts. Nick Chubb is an old school mentality where it's, you know, every day he shows up and it's how can I get a little better as a football player today? And, you know, they started, you know, flexing him out at the wide receiver position. That's still a little bit of a rough part. He's developing as a receiver in the screen game really, really well. Nick Chubb, is, he's, he's a fun guy to cover because you appreciate those type of guys. And, of course, you appreciate him because he had the devastating knee injury in college. And for the fact that he is even the player he is right now with the injury he had, it's just great to see. Um, Kareem Hunt, it's going to be different because Kareem, when he comes, he gives you more of a pure receiver aspect of it. You can go more 20 personnel, obviously, with the personnel. That's, you know, two running backs on the field. Um, so you can split Nick out, put Kareem in the backfield, you know, and do whatever you want from there with the receivers that they have and the talent they have there. Uh, Kareem can run almost every route you would almost ask a wide receiver to do. Um, the one thing, and a lot of people don't, they're not bringing this up. Kareem Hunt had hernia surgery right around the time of the fourth preseason game. He is not with the team during his suspension. Uh, Antonio Callaway is. So there's really no idea how he's recovering from all of that. So it's a little bit of a wild card. I mean, you don't assume any reason why it wouldn't be okay. I'm sure he's under expert medical care. I'm sure the Browns said, go see this guy. Wink, wink. You know, we won't know how anything is going. But it is something you do have a little bit of cause of concern with. Um, but if Nick, I mean, if Kareem Hunt can come back to at least a frat, you know, 85% of the player he was with the Browns. Now you're talking about, you're comparing those two guys with the possibility of getting D David Najuku back with Odell Beckham, with Jarvis Landry, with Antonio Cali, with the Shard Higgins. Um, it'll just be the fact of managing that, that there's that much skill talent available. And granted their second half schedule for the Browns. It's easy peasy. It's really easy to that point, but it, it's, it's something we're looking forward to. It's, you know, you need to win games now because they're, they're this first half. You're playing the big boys right now, so you got to do everything you can to get a couple of W's here. Uh, but it'll be interesting as long as Kareem comes back and everything is right and he's healthy. It'll be a nice addition, and you know, it, it, there's ways you can use them both. Um, maybe if you feel you've overused Nick Chubb a little bit, 
you can kind of ease back on that and, you know, give him a little bit of, you know, you know, some reps where he's just not, you know, not overextending himself so early in his career. Um, but it could pay some serious, serious dividends. Yeah, and I agree. I can, you know, do nothing but applaud Nick Chubb for the rehab that he went through after that injury and coming back and being the player that he is today. You're 100% correct. And then with Kareem Hunt, I mean, when the Browns made that signing from a talent perspective on the football field, he can change. He can literally change the game. So it'll be interesting to see how all this talent meshes, especially because the Browns don't have it all yet. But I do have one last question for you before we hit this last break. Um, obviously, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously C.J. Mosley gone. Uh, obviously, you know, lost a lot of pass rush. You mentioned Matthew Judon. How are the replacements and the guys who stepped in for these guys looking at this point? Well, I, I talked about Matthew Judon. He's had a sack in every game. He's been all over the field, not only as a pass rusher, but also in coverage. The Ravens let Zadarius Smith go, who, by a lot of people's accounts, has been one of the best defenders in the NFL this year in, in what seems yep. like an overpay on that contract that the Packers gave him. And obviously the legendary Terrell Suggs left in free agency, but the Ravens went and replaced them with the guys they already had on the roster for the most part. Tim Williams was a third-round pick out of Alabama a few years ago. Tyus Bowser a second out of Houston. And they were really banking on these guys developing and really coming into their own as the heir to Terrell Suggs and Zadarius Smith and whoever else decides to leave. And what we've seen is the Ravens not really utilizing them and really turning to Pernell McPhee, who was a veteran guy, was with the Ravens when the team won the Super Bowl in 2013, that 2012-2013 season. And McPhee's been great, but he just he's playing too much. He's an older guy. He needs a little bit of rest. And later in the game, we've seen McPhee kind of wear down, and that's natural. I'm not taking anything away from McPhee. He's played great this year. But what we need to see is Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams perform. Tyus Bowser is more of a hybrid guy. He can play inside. He can also rush yep. the passer. But the Ravens use him primarily as a pass rusher. Tim Williams' tape in college was probably the fastest I've ever seen out of a pass rusher. His spin moves, his inside swims, just stuff that I didn't even know were possible. And I really wanted him in the draft. But to this point, I haven't really seen a lot out of him. And I'm rooting for Tim Williams very hard. But overall, the early returns on the pass rush outside of McPhee and Judon have not been very promising. The Ravens drafted Jalen Ferguson in the third round, who actually broke Terrell Suggs' sack record for the FCS in college so they were really hoping that maybe he was literally the heir to Terrell Suggs after breaking that record but he played nine snaps and the Ravens gave up over 160 yards on them so right now the early returns have not been very positive they also haven't been able to really generate a lot of inside pass rush the Ravens only have been carrying five defensive and inside rushers right now Brandon Williams and Chris Warmly, Michael Pierce and Dalen Mack who the Ravens picked in the draft has been an inactive so overall, I think that the Ravens have been looking for more out of their pass rushes. And I think that these guys have the tools, but it's just going to be a matter of can they put it on the field. That is that. But we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to just talk about the score predictions, what we expect from this coaching staff, some game planning for this game. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. But before we do that, let's talk about the bedroom Luchu brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. 
Bluetooth is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-2.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to this crossover Wednesday between Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns. Kevin Ostreicher, Jeff Lloyd hanging with you here. And, Jeff, the first question I want to ask you is about Freddie Kitchens, the new head coach for Cleveland. There, This is a two-part question. One, do you think that Freddie was the right man for this job? I was personally surprised that Freddie got this job. I thought Greg Williams was the better fit. But... Overall, I think that fans have been questioning his play calling, and with that comes the second part of the question. A draw on a fourth and nine? What was your mindset going into that play and just watching it unfold in front of your eyes? Was Freddie the right man? Um, Look, Greg Williams, everybody knows this, and even Greg Williams knows this. Greg Williams is never going to be a head coach in the NFL again. That bounty gate, you wear it like a stamp. So, you know, for him to be upset that he didn't get it, he knew it wasn't going to happen. Freddie won it with an offense that was exciting and different. And, you know, watching it, like, you had no idea what was going on. I mean, he was running counter-running plays where Jarvis Landry was starting in the slot. Of course, none of this we've seen through three weeks, and we're really wondering where this offense is to this point because that counter-play that they won the Carolina game with last year would have been a beautiful call on you know in any of those four plays from the five against the Rams. But I'm okay with Freddie. And I think part of it was is John Dorsey didn't want somebody to say, oh, I'll coach the Cleveland Browns now, where it would have been somebody that would have told their agent, no, pretend we didn't they didn't call. Pretend you missed the call. You didn't get the voicemail. I don't think they wanted to bring somebody in here now just because they thought, oh, well, Baker's pretty good. Oh, well, Miles Garrett, and look, you know, look where this roster is. I think he wanted to sort of keep it in-house where it was like, look, this is what we've done to this point. Let's keep it going as a we thing. You know, I don't want to bring somebody in here that now all of a sudden, you know, it, it, like the Browns went from the girl in the summer uh, before eighth grade, you know, who had braces and glasses. And then all of a sudden, the first day of eighth grade, the braces were off. She got contacts and they were a lot prettier. Like he didn't want to say, oh, well, like you would have never returned my phone call. And now all of a sudden you, you'll coach my team. So I think that's where it changed. The, the draw on fourth and nine. The only thing I was literally thinking to myself was, OK, Jamie Gillian's got a really, really strong leg. They're just going to buy him an extra five yards so he doesn't punt for a touchback. This is what you ran. I mean, it's fourth to nine. I love I look. I love Nick Chubb. I love me some Nick Chubb. What did you expect him to do? It was fourth and nine, for God's sakes. And, you know, it almost seemed like the offense reacted like, wow, we just really snapped this ball. I don't, I somehow, I, I almost think there was a misconnection, a misread, because it almost looked like not every one of those 11 players on the field really felt they were running a play. Because you want to know what? If you were going to run that draw and say, you know what, we're going to knock your teeth down your throat and see if we can get these nine yards. You wouldn't have went there and went hut, 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 hut. You would have just went there and said, you would have went there, snapped it, gave it to him, and said, student body right, here it comes. 
but I mean, yeah, that was like a, and the fact that even got a chance to tie the game after that. Cause I mean, literally with that, that was one of those where you got the phone in your hand and you just throw everything in the air. Like what in the world? All right. It's over now. But I mean, granted they got lucky. They got another opportunity. They did not cash in on it, but it was just like, what in the world was that? My final question for you is a two-parter again, and then I'll give you my answer to this as well on the Ravens side. Who's one Browns player who has to have a big game in order for the Browns to come out with a win? And also, give me your final score prediction. For me, I'm going to go with Miles Garrett here because, look, um, you know, the one thing Lamar Jackson isn't and will never be is he's not a big dude. Look, Lamar Jackson, a little bit taller than me, but, you know, I get the physique he has. And people, oh, well, you'll naturally get bigger. No, when you're kind of tall and skinny, you're always going to be tall and skinny. I mean, if you want Lamar Jackson to get bigger, thicker, it's probably not going to be good weight. He's just got that body type. There's, you know, you kind of just max out at about what you can add. When Miles Garrett hits people, they kind of stay hit. So if he can get a couple of solid licks on Lamar Jackson, and hopefully they're not Finable offenses because Lamar, I mean, Miles Garrett's already written out $50,000 worth of checks this year and, you know, hits that have drawn him fines. But you can get a couple of solid licks on Lamar. It'll be interesting. Look, it's hard to do because he is, you know, quicker than a hiccup and he's fast as hell. But if you can get a couple of hits on Lamar, it maybe changes things and it's the. Am I going to step up here or am I not? Or, you know, do I want to get loose because Miles Garrett does run a four five forty, and he might be huffing and puffing right behind me. Get a couple of licks in on him. For me, you know, I, I think the Ravens defense isn't what it was last year. The Browns, the, the, the Browns need, look, the Jets win was one thing. It was, you know, there was no excuse not to win it. Nothing about it was essentially pretty. It was, uh, you know, hey, all right, here we go. We'll go get this W. We still got a bunch of big games in front of us. But look, I mean, for all they've been through and as much was bestowed upon them by big media about, you know, oh, this is the Browns cover of Sports Illustrated football preview issue. If they can get out of this one at two and two, they are tied for the division lead. And for now, it's breathe couple more big games. We'll get to that easy part in the second half. I think they're going to find a way to squeak this one out. And I think it's because this offense to this point has been playing with almost the emergency break on. They're going to find a way to crack a couple of big ones here. And I'll always figure in a missed extra point because this is just the way the Browns work. So maybe I'll say like a oh an odd number of maybe like 29 29, 23, one of those. They're going to find a way here to get some points in. And hopefully they can be smart enough to just at least, if if they lose because Lamar Jackson beats him with his arm, that's the way you've got to do it right now. You still, with the point with Lamar, look, it's looked good to this point against some lesser competition, but you cannot lose to Lamar Jackson because he beats you with his legs. For me, with the Ravens, I think that Anthony Averett is the guy who has to have a big game in order for this team to win. The Browns are just so stacked at receiver right now with, you know, the the big two, Odell and Jarvis Landry, and with Jimmy Smith out. Anthony Averett's a young guy who was tasked with sliding into his spot, 
and playing meaningful snaps in the NFL for the first time in his career and what really was supposed to be a developmental year for him. He hasn't performed up to expectations, especially up to Jimmy Smith's expectations. And I think that Avert has the tools to become a successful cornerback and a starting cornerback in this league. But I just think that with the Ravens playing the Browns and having Odo Beckham and having Jarvis Lange on that opposite side, the Ravens' corners need to have a strong game, and they have two great ones, but they've been using Brandon Carr in the slot a lot just because he can play in the slot, and so Averett slides outside. They can put Odell in the slot. They can put Jarvis in the slot, and these guys are in matchup nightmares wherever they line up on the field. So I think that Averett is the one who, you know, we know that Brandon Carr can play. We know that Marlon Humphrey can play, but Anthony Averett, this has to be his coming out party in order for the Ravens to, to win a game here, and I do think the Ravens win this one. I'll give it a final score prediction of... 30 to 23. I think the Ravens won by a touchdown in a very good game. I also believe that Browns Ravens game week 17 last year. What a game that was. And Absolutely. I that, but I think the fans will be loud. The fans will be into it, ready and hungry for a Ravens win. And I think that's what the team will deliver to them. So that's my score prediction. And that's all I have today, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope for our sake that this is just a good game in general. Obviously, I hope the Ravens squeak it out, but I'm just ready for some entertaining football. So thank you, Jeff. Uh, you know, always a pleasure. Um, and the crossovers are fun. Obviously, we get to see, you know, the point of view from all of us who work here. Look, I mean, you're confident in your product. I still think I'm still confident in my product. It's going to get where it needs to go. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can come in a little more healthier than we were against the Rams where, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. But <laughs> again, thank you, Jeff, so much. So next time when we get back on Lockdown Ravens, we are going to talk about some fantasy football some history from the Ravens, and also just some general Ravens news and notes. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.